Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The cold was the first thing I noticed, a biting, relentless cold that seemed to seep into your bones and never let go. My name is Josh, and I was leading a Navy SEAL team on a mission that, in hindsight, was doomed from the start. We were sent to investigate a distress signal from a research station in Antarctica that had gone dark weeks ago. As an ex-CIA agent, I was no stranger to high-stakes operations, but nothing could have prepared me for what we found, or didn't find, at that station. The place was a ghost town, abandoned equipment scattered around, and an eerie silence that pressed down on you. 
but it was the artifact that changed everything. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen, ancient yet otherworldly, and from the moment we laid eyes on it, a whisper filled the air. It wasn't just noise, it was as if the artifact was speaking directly into our minds, sowing seeds of doubt and fear. The effects were almost immediate. Paranoia crept in, turning team members against each other, seeing threats where there were none. We tried to stay focused, to secure the artifact and figure out what happened to the researchers, but it was like the station itself was against us. Violent hallucinations haunted us, scenes of terror that felt all too real, blurring the lines between what was happening and what was imagined. Then, the entity appeared. It was a master of our fears, a shapeshifter that could become anything it wanted. One moment it was a fallen comrade, the next, a grotesque monster. It hunted us, using our own minds as weapons against us. We fought back, but how do you fight something that knows your deepest fears? One by one, my team fell, victims of the entity or the madness the artifact induced. I can't say for sure. I was alone, isolated in the freezing wasteland, with the whispers growing louder. In a moment of clarity, or perhaps desperation, I fled, leaving behind the artifact and the horrors it unleashed. I called for backup, hoping against hope that they could contain whatever we had unleashed. But when they arrived, they found nothing. No research station, no sign of my team, just endless ice and snow. They didn't believe me, said it was all in my head, a result of paranoia and isolation. The artifact, the entity, my fallen team, according to them, none of it was real. Now, I'm here, locked away in a lunatic hospital, a place where they tell me I'm paranoid, that I've lost touch with reality. But I know what I saw, what I experienced. The cold still lingers, a constant reminder of the truth they refuse to believe. The whispers haunt me, even in the silence of my room, a chilling echo of the horror that lies hidden beneath the ice. They say I'm mad, but I know the truth. The horror is real, and it's still out there, waiting beneath the endless expanse of Antarctica. I actually overheard about this on the news a few years back, it's a feline-like creature, said to look like a mountain lion mixed with some sort of monstrosity. I didn't really think much about it till my friend, well call him Bran, he hunts a lot, well about a year ago, I think it was deer season, he was doing what he does, it was pretty late and he and his dad were about to pack up, they heard a low growl near them, his dad told him to get back up into the hunting perch, I'm not a hunter by any means so don't crucify me for not knowing the correct lingo, Bran did and watched through his binoculars, to watch out for what made the growl or his dad to give him an all good. He watched for what he said might have been 10 to 15 minutes, when movement caught his eye, he tried to get a better look when he saw the weird creature previously mentioned. It scared him so bad he froze. He thought it was just a mountain lion or bobcat, but it had four eyes. His dad managed to distract it off to startling a nearby doe, it left chasing its newfound prey. He and his dad waited until they couldn't hear it, then booked it back to their truck. He was pretty shaken up the whole week after, felt bad for him. However, this wasn't his only run-in with a cryptid or strange creature. Despite being underage, he still does a lot of dangerous or stupid things, such as, drinking and driving, smoking cigarettes, and other dumb things. He isn't shy about it either, well he had been drinking and driving, but he wasn't drunk yet, he and his best friend, we'll call him Dave, were taking a joyride on some backroads which aren't hard to find in our region. They were messing around, having a good time, blaring music, you know teenager things. He was focusing on the road listening to a story Dave was telling him when he saw a strange, pale, humanoid, 
quadrupedal, fleshy creature with visible teeth, and large black eyes run out into the road, Bran hit his brakes and just barely didn't hit it, it screeched at him and ran off into the woods on the other side of the road. Bran and Dave sat there trying to process what happened and if what they both saw was real. They stopped drinking and went straight back to Dave's house where they proceeded to freak the F out. They told me this story too as I sit next to them in a couple of classes. Well, I asked them to describe the creature to me as I'm known for researching and collecting info on cryptids, urban legends, and monsters. They felt I could help. After they gave me the description I came up with a list of possible creatures and showed them art and real pictures of them on Bran's phone. Once we got to Wendigos, Skinwalkers, and the Rake, they showed clear signs of distress. I pulled up one of the well-known Rake pictures and showed it to them. I thought Bran was going to have a heart attack, he yelled that's it. It has to be, it's almost dead on, Dave scrolled through related pictures and found a different photo, and quietly showed both of us, Bran then fell silent. They both said that was it, that was the creature they nearly hit. I told them, they have to be bullshitting me because the rake is a creepypasta, told them the story. And what it's known for, and not proven real, and very likely fake. They were insistent that that's what they saw. They thanked me and asked me if there was a way to protect themselves if it came for them, I told them I didn't know but fire was probably the best route if it actually was real. They haven't had any experiences since that I know of, but it did freak me and them out a good amount. I was glad I could help them, but now I'm terrified of the woods more than I previously was, and I question more and more if these legends are just legends, I already believed in a few but it's terrifying to think more of them could be real. It was May 2001 around 11.30 pm. We live south of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I saw a six-foot-tall black creature move back beside my garage. I smelled a rotten fish or garbage odor mixed while exiting my vehicle in the driveway. Many times when I am alone by my living room window, I often feel like something is watching me. My husband and I are nature buffs and we often see hawks and other small creatures. The plants under my bedroom window had been trampled on severely as if something were looking through the window at us. We wondered if there was a large dog in the yard. Occasionally we have found what looks like dog feces in our backyard garden. Over the years we have heard noises outside our window and evidence of what appears to be a great animal of weight. Our small evergreen bushes have also been compressed as if someone was sitting on top of them, especially those under the bedroom window. On the night of May 15, 2001, I drove home late from a church meeting with friends. It was 11.30 am. We have a huge blue spruce tree in our front yard. I got out of my car in the driveway, which was two feet away from the blue spruce, and the next thing I knew I was overcome with the most nauseating odor. I had never experienced this before here and wondered if someone had dropped garbage on our lawn. It was rather late so I hastily looked around the ground and did not approach the tree where it emanated from the strongest. I walked towards the garage and the odor diminished so I knew it was coming from the tree. I did see a black figure by the garage when I pulled up but it shrank back towards the garage. I wondered what it was but was too afraid to investigate. Since I am a female I did not pursue on foot. This time I did not bother my husband but hastily walked towards the door. We live less than a mile from a part of Rock Creek and I was wondering if this creature had eaten fish from the creek recently. The next morning I was curious about this event from the previous night. I went out to water my garden and around the house. We have two identical red maples in our backyard and the one had no twigs down around the bottom. We had cut our grass and meticulously I had picked up every twig in the backyard. 
Imagine my surprise when I noticed a perfect circle of fallen small end of branch twigs lying completely around the red maple at the left of the house nearest the blue spruce and, then, no twigs around the other red maple? I went in to tell my husband. The twigs were broken at least nine feet above my head around the tree. Each twig was very thin. They looked as if they were snapped off and not cut by a precision instrument. My garage is open at night and I went in to check my pruner. It was behind another tool and appeared to be unused. I went out to check the blue spruce. This time, on the side where my son had sawed a few branches, I saw several broken twigs and branches above my head appearing to extend about 9 feet above the ground. If this thing was a Bigfoot, which I think it is. There may have been two for the one I saw by the garage was about 6 at the most. Could this have been an offspring? Two weeks later we put large items on our back porch that is usually clear at other times. During the evening of that day, we moved the items, at about midnight, there was a loud noise that came from the back porch where the items were placed. I thought at the time that something must have had a routine for coming onto our back porch and did not know that we had just put some large items out. When I turned on the light I saw nothing. On other occasions, there have been sounds and when I turn on the light and look I am always wondering why I don't see a large dog or skunk in the vicinity to justify the sounds because I do go out and check immediately in the yard for about 20 with a flashlight. After that, there had been no further activity. We have since moved to another property. For those who don't know, in Israel recruitment is mandatory, you are required by law to serve in the army for a few years, so it might explain a few things, especially the runaway. So it was during an operational exercise when one fighter got cold feet and decided to run away back home. The entire unit thought he was kidnapped and so they immediately decided to ditch the operation and search for him. My brother with another soldier climbed on a vehicle and started searching for the missing soldier. At one point they've stopped in some rural area when my brother saw a dark figure sitting at sort of nowhere. When he moved his eyes for a tiny moment and got it back the black figure was gone. My brother thought there was no way that it just vanished into thin air, but when he looked at his friend they both have realized that they saw the same black figure, and they both have seen it's gone. A few hours later some found him this guy at his home and was punished for that, but it's off topic. Till this day no normal explanations were given, and it's been a few years. I live in Chicago, Illinois and I'm in my early 20s. When I was in my teens during the summer here I was looking out my front window one night. Mind you the window was open due to my family living in a rather old apartment building at the time with a less than optimal air conditioner. So I'm looking out the window and I spot this weird area of distortion across the street. At the time for a moment, I thought it was a plastic sheet that had caught onto a bush that was in front of the house there. However, it moved. Like a person would just shuffling about on the sidewalk, rippling like a person under a transparent sheet. I looked on in amazement and confusion not knowing what to make of what I was seeing. However, my amazement came to a halt when I felt the being look at me. It was as if it, like a person felt it was being watched and looked dead at me. I got scared and ran back into the back of the house. Never seen anything like it since. I know that sounds stupid or like some dumb dream but this happened. This actually happened. His happened around June or July of 2007 I believe, I was around 17 years old and more cocky then, but still somewhat knowledgeable of the outdoors. My family used to own a cabin in NW Wisconsin, I basically grew up there in the summer, I knew the woods well, 
but at night it was wise to stay in the cabin or at least by the bonfire by the beach, because of bears, wolves, and cougars. One of the creepiest things was if you were having a bonfire, the tree line was visible from the fire pit and beach, and at night you always felt like you were being watched from that tree line. But during the day the woods always seemed normal, not so creepy, that is until this incident. So this happened somewhere between 1200 to 1400. Me and my cousin were having an airsoft battle, I was in full woodland camo, he was not, I retreated onto the ATV trail into the woods for a tactical advantage and our battle took us about 200 meters into about a third of the way up the trail. We had enough at this point and were standing at the edge of a clearing on the trail talking and he was maybe 10 feet from me, when I decided to mess with him, I shushed him and said we're being watched, he froze, then I realized the woods were dead quiet and I got spooked and started scanning the tree line and the other edge of the clearing from left to right when I saw it. Its teeth gave it away, it was panting and staring at my cousin, I don't expect you to believe me, but what I saw was a wolf as big as a black bear, at least 300 pounds, but it wasn't normal, this wolf was on two legs crouching next to tree with its arm grasping the tree, grasping with a clawed hand, it had reddish brown fur. I told my cousin that we have to go and next thing I know he is sprinting and I look back at Wolfie who had locked on and sprinted a few steps on two feet and then I turned and ran when it looked like Wolfie was dropping to all fours, it charged us and sounded right on our asses barreling through the brush, but for whatever reason let us go when we broke out of the tree line and headed for the cabin. What stuck with me the most was the sheer size, Wolfie appeared to be nearly seven tall when upright, and that where it should have had front paws it appeared to have large clawed hands. Now I'm not sure how to explain it away rationally, I have heard wolves will occasionally kind of walk upright but as far as I know they can't sprint on two legs, nor do wolves get that big, and black bears more waddle on two legs. The closest description is silly, a werewolf or dogman. Thank you for reading. I was on a field training exercise in New York with the National Guard. They had a sleeping in some old civil defense building that hadn't seen use since the 50s. I've included a diagram of what happened. We were sleeping in this big room with a partition down the middle, and I was in a cot facing the door to our half. I woke up around 3 am freezing, like the coldest I have ever been my whole life freezing. I heard these loud, slow footsteps down the left of the hallway, coming towards the entrance to our room. They got louder and louder with every step like if Frankenstein's monster were stomping down the hall in his giant boots. Just before coming to our doorway, which was wide open and would have allowed me to see what it was walking by, the footsteps stopped. A few seconds went by, and they continued on down the hall, just past the door. It was as if something invisible had crossed that threshold and just continued on down the way it going. The whole place had a very Cold War feel to it, maybe it was the spirit of another soldier, waiting for orders to start a war that never came, I dunno. Possible cryptid type creature my friend and I saw on a drive tonight. Cryptids. So. Me and my friend Cass decided to go on a drive about an hour ago because there was a spot I'd been looking at going to at night because it was secluded and a good spot to smoke in general. Around when we started talking about it he noted that he started smelling something sweet, cherries, and a hint of cigar. I was familiar with this entity as it's been around my room since I moved in back in 2020. It's not a malevolent entity and is actually quite kind, Cass stated that it felt like he'd been hugged and just overall felt comfort with the entity around. So we go on the drive and we're talking and all and we turn down the last road until the destination when I saw a tree down in the road. 
It didn't block the road completely but it was too narrow of a gap for my car to fit. Well, I knew a back road that led to the same destination so we turned around and headed down that way. It was a very wooded back road, no service, very few houses for miles and surrounded by trees. It was the type of road to only have one lane because of how unused it is. As I'm driving we're talking and we pass over a bridge. I pointed out as a spot I wanted to take him another time since it's just a neat area. Not long after we passed it, he said did you see that? It's a very curvy road so I initially assumed it was an animal as I hadn't seen anything. I asked what he saw and he said it looked like something that crossed the road. Immediately I got an intense feeling of dread. I asked if he felt it too and he confirmed that he did so I stopped the car, took a moment and immediately said we're not supposed to be here. He agreed and I turned around, heading back to where we just came. The dread got more intense but after we crossed the bridge it eased but was still there. I stated that whatever it was isn't allowed to follow us home and it wasn't allowed on my property. It started to disappear and we kept seeing things along the road like shadows. As I was driving to the main road a white truck pulled up very fast to a stop sign on a side road almost as if out of thin air and pulled out behind us. I didn't take much note of it until I looked in my rear view and saw it tailing the hell out of us. I pointed it out and Cass said he didn't like the feeling he got from the truck. We got to the stop sign that lead out to the main road and I purposefully didn't turn my blinker on in case it was following us, but the truck did and it was turning the same way as us. After I made the turn I waited a few moments before looking back in the rear view and it was gone. It disappeared into thin air. The drive home was silent and Cass waited until we got back to talk about things he knew and should have thought of before we even got in the car. I was telling the story to a friend over Discord and asked Cass to describe the thing he saw in the road, asking if it walked on two legs or four. He said, it didn't have legs. It was brown and looked like a head that just crossed the road. Asking him about it now he said that it was tall, taller than the doorframe of my closet and he saw it from a distance so he didn't know what its body looked like. I asked if it could have been a bat and he emphasized that it couldn't have been. During the drive home we both noted that it felt like there was a hand on each of our shoulders. He pointed out the log in the road could have been a sign not to go, as well as the friendly entity that appeared in my room beforehand. I'm thinking it's a certain W-word entity, names hold power and I will not refer to it by name. A little background on where I am before I jump into the encounter. I'm stationed in Arizona, living on base in the dorms. The rooms are a bit small, I live in a 10 by 10 room with a door leading into the shared kitchen and bathroom with my roommate. This joining door is very heavy and makes an audible, shh, sound when closed. On the door, there's a deadbolt on my side to keep my roommate out. Obviously, when the deadbolt is turned, it clicks into and out of place very loudly, and in a 10 by 10 room, the sound is obnoxiously loud. At the time of this occurrence, my roommate had been gone for two weeks for training, so nobody was in the room with me. Another side note, everybody keeps their adjoining door locked 24-7 because who wants someone busting in on their room? I'm definitely one of those who keeps the deadbolt in place unless I'm actively in the kitchen or using the bathroom. The deadbolt only locks from my side of the door, keep this in mind. I fell asleep around 8 am. On Saturday after staying awake all night, and I had a dream. It was movie night in my dad's room for our family. So both my brothers had little inflatable mattresses on the floor on the far side of my dad's bedroom, on the side of his bed furthest from the door. Nothing really weird about the movie, we watched it, and then it was time for bed. My brothers were passed out on the mattress asleep, and my stepmom was asleep holding my dad. 
I was leaning up against my dad's bed, back facing the doorway, with one leg on the ground and one leg leaned on the mattress, kind of folded in at my stomach. For some reason, my dad and I were just talking about something random, keeping our tones hushed so we wouldn't wake the rest of the family, when we both completely froze mid-sentence. We heard someone wheezing. Don't ask me why, but for some reason, we both knew it wasn't either one of my brothers. It was coming from beneath the bed. We were frozen, eyes locked on each other, listening to this rasping for what felt like minutes. Finally, I was able to move, realizing too late that my leg was asleep. I fell off the bed because of this, and I landed on the ground with a thud, smacking my head on the hardwood. The wheezing continued, louder now. I can't really explain what the wheezing sounded like, it was definitely lacking rhythm and sounded literally like someone was forcing their breathing. I opened my eyes and realized I was searching the darkness under the bed crazily for some shadow or movement. As soon as my eyes locked onto a body, I started screaming, go away, go away, go away, maybe 10 to 20 times. I realized I couldn't move again, my eyes were locked only on a shadowy figure, unmoving. After I finished repeating my screams at the shadow, I felt a sudden release. The wheezing had stopped, and I could finally move again, but I felt super heavy, like my body was absolutely exhausted. I stood up as fast as I could and launched myself onto the bed with my father. My dad's eyes were very big, and the white stood out to me in the darkness of the room. For some reason, it made my fear rise further into my throat. We lay there, clutching each other, literally frozen with fear, like that fear you get that makes you breathe immensely quietly. I strained against the darkness in search of something, primal fear, if I move, I die. We sat like that for minutes, but it felt like hours. We were starting to feel a bit relaxed as we hadn't heard the rasping breath for a while, when something very tall and very emaciated stood from the other side of the bed I'd fallen out of. It was so dark in the room, I could only make out a shadow, so I couldn't see any coloration or definite details, just a very shadowy, tall figure. I could only make out the face, really. I wish I could draw, so maybe you guys could see what it looked like. My dad and I didn't breathe at all. We waited for it to move, but it just stood there, two feet away. I assumed it was watching us. The wheezing had begun again. After what felt like literally hours of watching this creature, just listening to the strange wheezing and staring at it, it started to loom over the bed. A long hand reached out towards me. The thing had spindly fingers, no claws, but like weird, bony fingertips, very skinny wrists, and joints on the hand. I woke up as the creature touched me. My body was extremely heavy now. I felt absolutely drained, and my eyelids were heavy from exhaustion. I picked up my phone to look around in the darkness of my room and saw that somehow I had managed to sleep until Sunday at 3.33 am. I know what this means, as I've grown up watching all the typical scary horror movies and reading the scary stories, etc. I started to feel that thick fear rise in my throat again. My eyes welled with tears, and I was ready to turn my phone flashlight on to scan the room thoroughly when I heard my connecting door to the kitchen had closed and locked. I felt myself stiffen from fear and widen my eyes in the darkness, trying to see what could have closed my door. Now, these doors are very heavy, like I said before, and have a distinct sound when closed. The deadbolt is heavy metal and makes a loud noise when moved, kind of like a metal pane. I couldn't see anything in the darkness and had to literally hold my eyelids open because I was feeling so weighed down. After turning on my flashlight and seeing nothing, I got up and turned all the lights on. I'm too scared to go back to sleep now. The shadows being cast in my room seem to move when I look away from them, 
so I've turned on all the lights. It's now Tuesday, and I have not slept since. My skin is crawling from the feeling of being stared at, as if any form of lights are turned off, I will be doomed. I woke in a sweat puddle, feeling as though I had been through hell, and I just literally have tears streaming down my face typing this. But I need to get this down, so maybe I can get some answers. I have attached what is a drawing of what I've seen. This happened a couple nights ago. My girlfriend and I were driving home from a concert we went to Ohio to see. It was probably around 1am and we were on some rural backroads our GPS told us to take. There were houses with lots of open fields between them, and the road was pretty hilly. As we were coming up the hill, our headlights lit up a field to my left, I was driving, and I saw something strange. I saw what appeared to be a tall, lanky but strong black figure run on two legs from one end of the field to the other. Kind of going the opposite direction we were going, and at an angle. Like it was trying to cut into some woods off in the distance. It was fast too, because I only saw it for a second or two before it disappeared. I asked my girlfriend if she saw it, but she said she didn't. I explained what I saw and she believed me. We tried to rationalize it by saying maybe it was a tree or something playing some weird light trick on us. But the vibe I got from seeing that thing was really off. It felt like I saw something I wasn't supposed to be. Like that whatever was there shouldn't have been. Was this a cryptid of some sort, or were the headlights just messing with me? My story is a little boring, but it just happened to me on Wednesday, so here you go. I was rock climbing with two other guys in Colorado and was belaying one of them when the two of us on the ground heard something weird. The commands we use to communicate that we are safe at the top of a route are, name of guy on the ground, off belay, which prompts the belayer to unclip the rope from his belay device so the climber can pull slack out of the rope. The response to that command is, name of guy at the top of the route, belay off. The climber was approximately 40 meters up on a 50 meter route, I didn't know this at the time. The rope stopped moving, which isn't uncommon when someone is having a hard time with a move, or is setting up an anchor, which is what I thought was going on. Then we heard it. A voice that sounded way closer to the ground, like close enough we could have had a shouting conversation, and way further left off route of where the climber should have been. It said Tommy Sticks, off belay. I looked at the other guy in our climbing party who was just as confused as I was. He said to me what the F was that, and we discussed where the climber should be at this time and that we shouldn't be able to hear him that well. The rope still wasn't moving, but I decided to keep him on belay. I figured it would be best to keep him safe and just feed slack through my belay device, in the event that it wasn't him. Turns out it wasn't. A few moments later the rope started moving again, later followed by a faint, syllable counted, Tommy sticks, off belay, that sounded way more like what it should have. We didn't really think anything of it, but we had been traveling down the wall and hit a few routes without seeing anyone. We also had a friend just a few months ago that burned in on a route when someone took him off belay when he wasn't safe. I remember seeing a video of a hiker, or rancher or something, walking down the road when he hears a voice of a woman calling him off the road. The guy stops to try to figure out what's going on, then just gets out of there because of how weird it was. Is there a specific cryptid that mimics the voice of a person? I was off to do some winter camping. It was late February of 2009 I believe and there was nobody around to be seen. We got there and started setting up camp and this was around 1pm. 
I heard what we assumed was an elk bugle off in the distance so I cracked some huge rock to semi-replicate gunshots to basically let the wildlife know I was there then continued to settle in. Over the next few hours, the bugle sound got closer and closer and at first my dog was running free not a care in the world. My dog had treed mountain lions and run off bears, he was fearless. The sounds got closer and closer and got to a point where it sounded like 20 yards away or so. The best I could guess, it would call every 30 to 45 minutes at first. My dog stopped running like he was and started circling only the immediate campsite. After a couple hours of this, it started to sound like a multi-pitched whistle almost like a wooded train whistle is the best way I can describe it. By about 6.30 pm it would call and about 15 minutes later there was a reply from about the equal distance on the opposite side of us. And it went on a while back and forth. By 11 pm there were at least 5 different calls around our camp, all similar sounding but distinctly different and unique. That was when we started to record audio, lost the recording over the years. At this point, my dog was acting a bit skittish and wouldn't go more than maybe 15 feet away from the truck, and with its tail kind of tucked which was very out of character for him. I started to feel a bit unsettled and around midnight I started my truck and started loading my stuff because I had a deep gut feeling something was about to happen. I couldn't shake it, so I got the dog and girlfriend in the truck while I was packing. Out of nowhere this loud crunching sound and then through the air a log came flying from the direction of one of the whistles I had been hearing. It was a big log like 8 to 10 inches in diameter and maybe 6 feet long, way too big for a human to throw. The way this thing flew it smashed the back window of my forerunner and dented the side panel around the window pretty bad. It had extreme force. Needless to say, I was quickly in the driver's seat, got out of there, and drove two hours home non-stop. I was terrified. I left half of my supplies in the camp and never looked back. I still haven't returned to this day. This took place at Sullivan Lake, Colville National Forest, in Washington State. If you know the area it is a wild area to the locals. You know not to tent camp and bring heavy artillery which I only learned years later. Anyway, I later showed a group of rangers my audio, and three of the four tried to tell me oh it was a screech owl or it was this or that. But the one ranger in particular kind of went a bit white and stayed quiet. When the other three left and got into their rigs he told me I can't tell you what I think it was but I will say you are very lucky to have gotten out of there. He also saw the side of my forerunner which I had taped over the broken window sitting in the parking lot. So I can confirm that there are Sasquatch in those mountains. It's the only thing that makes sense. But I have never to this day heard any other audio that sounds like what I heard that night. When I was 14, I took my dog outside and experienced the strangest feeling. The house next door was almost finished being built, with only the glass doors added, one was slightly ajar. I remember hearing some noise, and my boyfriend at the time wasn't scared. He assured me that someone was just inside. I looked up and saw someone waving their right hand, almost as if saying hello. I never saw him again, but now I'm 17, and my current boyfriend and I were outside smoking. Keep in mind, this house was built right in front of the back of my house but slightly to the left, so from where I was sitting, I couldn't see that house anymore, plus people were living in it by then. My current boyfriend glanced toward the corner of my fence, got scared, and asked if I saw that. I asked him what he saw, and he told me he saw a figure with a hat and a briefcase waving. I asked if it was with his right hand and showed him the motion I saw years ago, it was exactly the same. What could this mean? Could it be him? A warning or sign, maybe? 
He was closer this time but hasn't gone past the fence. I don't think he's able to. As command duty officer for the NAV MAG in Guam this was a bit of a weird occurrence among many, around 2014. In training for the position and I'm following my first class around the compound locking down the buildings. We first started with the chief's building by closing the op areas and head inside to arm the remote security. We both hear this weird TSSHHH noise and when we get to one of the offices we find the TV is on and scrolling upward in the channel numbers. Whatever, turn it off and continue locking up. Command duty officer in question realizes he left the command duty officer bag in the chief's building so we head back to retrieve it. Open the door, dirm the system, and that familiar noise of the TV being on greets us again. Go into the same office. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And it is now scrolling down in channels. We pull the plug but the TV remains on and continues scrolling. Call up the watch officer and tell him what's happening and let him know we are heading back without completely locking the buildings. Watch officer was less than happy but we armed the last building quickly and left the area in a hurry. I just watched an episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America. It was the Night Stalker, Skinwalker episode. When I saw the pictures of the girl who was being terrorized by the Night Stalker, it reminded me of a strange encounter my brother and I had this last winter. We were out on Navajo Dam Road cutting wood. We had turned onto a dirt road on the northeast side. After cutting a few trees at the bottom of a canyon we decided to go further up the hill to see if we could find more dead trees. I also had my dog and son with me. We made our way up the hill and it flattened out. There were a few dead trees so we decided to stop and cut those as it was getting dusk and colder. My son and his dog got out and were playing fetch while my brother Chris and I prepped the trees to cut. As we were about to finish up my kiddo came running up the hill and said he had found some really neat looking tracks from an animal. So as I made my way down the hill and towards my truck with an arm full of wood, I stopped to look at the tracks. They looked like claw marks in the sand and were in the same direction as where we climbed to cut. As I was looking at the tracks I noticed I didn't hear my brother's chainsaw anymore. As soon as I realized the motor sound had stopped I heard a scream, the sound of a shotgun being pumped, then a shot being fired. Before I could even react, Chris came running at breakneck speed down the hill, past me, and to the truck yelling drop the wood, let's go. My dog was barking, growling, and backing up with hair raised on her back and neck. I shuttled my kid and dog with wood in hand down the hill, and threw wood in the back seat. I have a huge F-250, with the kiddo and dog. Needless to say, we got the hell out of there. 
My brother refused to speak until we were on the main road and almost to Aztec, New Mexico. While he was cutting wood, he had the feeling of being watched. Thinking that I was playing a trick on him he sat his running chainsaw down and went to catch me in the act before I could scare him. Not knowing I was further down the hill with my son, he climbed the rest of the hill and looked around to find me. He saw us down by my truck and also saw a shadow opposite him by a sandstone cluster to his right. We always carry a gun with us while we cut, never know what kind of creatures one may encounter out there. He popped off a shot to get my attention and also took a shot at whatever it was he had seen. He told me it ran in between a rock ledge and some bushes. He didn't want to waste time to try and take another shot at it. Before the second shot, the chainsaw stopped because it had run out of gas which is how I was able to hear the gun being cocked and fired. It scared him so bad that he refused to go back out that way to collect wood. Always the skeptic, I thought he was be seeing me, trying to scare me, but then I remembered the claw marks my kiddo had found and knowing that nothing scares my brother nor dog. He said the thing he saw was a good 7 feet high if not taller and hairy all over with a wolf face and red eyes. He caught a slight glimpse before it slipped between the brush and stones. I was kinda laughing at him in my head, till I remembered those claw marks on the ground. When I saw the story tonight, I had seen those claw marks before, where we were cutting wood. Thank you for believing, otherwise I'd think I was losing my mind. It was a weird and unforgettable experience. Thanks for your time. The amphib I served on, USS Tarawa, was reputed to be haunted as hell. One of the cargo holds, I think it was 5 lower but might have been 4 lower, this was over 10 years ago, sorry, was adjacent to a trunk, vertical ladder well, where an engineering chief had hung himself. I never saw or heard anything, but being down in that cargo hold was eerie in ways that other cargo holds on the same deck were not. The layout of the space was such that you couldn't see the entire area from one spot in the hold, so there was always a corner that you just knew somebody was around, then you would go and look and there'd be nothing there. Still, the feeling of being not alone wouldn't go away. The exterior troop walkways between gun mounts 5 and 7, a distance of maybe 200 feet if memory serves, were creepy too. We'd constantly have the feeling that somebody was following just behind us, but of course you would turn around and nothing there, very unnerving when it's dark and you still have to walk another couple hundred feet to even get to a door. In the armory, you could occasionally hear faint whispering. We thought it was a leaky valve that was just expelling air and trace amounts of sea water, but the whispering continued even after the valve was replaced. We also had a phantom shitter but that's less supernatural and more drunkest behavior. I live in Great Britain and used to spend much of my time in North Wales. I'll keep the exact location anonymous for personal reasons. Anyway this area was heavily wooded for miles and deep in the valleys, it had a spot where a natural waterfall was. I used to come to this spot to enjoy the peace and quiet and camp out overnight. This area was off limits to the public due to dangerous rock falls I was led to believe. I also heard that in the past people used to come down there to be married in some nearby caves and sure enough there was a stone altar carved into the natural rock in one of the caves. Apparently, Though this custom had stopped about a hundred years back due to the unsafe nature of geology and the fact a woman had died after falling down a ravine, and indeed the area was rumored to be haunted. I would from time to time, although alone, feel like I was being watched. This never bothered me during the daylight hours but at night this feeling was so intense I felt compelled to keep the fire lit all night. Other instances there included tree knocking which at first I took to be chopping noises. 
This happened often during the day although I could never find any sign of any woodman no matter how hard I searched, it strangely happened twice one night also. Another night I heard what I thought was somebody making owl noises at me. It sounded like a human was making the sound and not quite like a real owl would sound. The last night I ever spent in the area I was camped down by the steam and heard what I at first took to be a woman scream. Still, it sounded off somehow and I knew nobody could have been there other than myself. It almost bellowed through me this sound, sure it could have been an animal but certainly nothing I'd ever encountered before, before that night was out I had a huge rock thrown in my direction, and again that ear-splitting scream. I never went back there after these experiences and probably never will. What I felt and heard haunted me for years, I rationalized the sounds to perhaps be ghosts and worried that I was a victim of some sort of haunting. But after hearing the similarities between what I experienced and what others experienced due to possible Bigfoot encounters perhaps such creatures live in remote areas of the UK also? I had an encounter with something but I'm currently unsure as to what. I was told to contact you. Due to personal factors, I moved in with some family to a rural area of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. My aunt's house, where I'm at, sits on one of several hills with a meadow below it. She also owns several acres of woods, with a creek running through them, and so on. It's a very desolate place. One morning, in September 2023, I woke up around 5 a.m. to some twig snapping. I went outside and walked downhill to the meadow, and by some holly bushes that border the woods, I saw a large figure, looking ahead. I called out, at first assuming it was a person, as on occasion we will get hunters, but these are neighbors who give proper identification and basically let us know when they'll be around. Instead of responding, the figure walked away. It seemed to almost shrink into the woods. It was a large figure, easily six feet minimum. I didn't get the greatest look at it, as it was dark and somewhat far away, but I saw heavy, shaggy fur or hair. Looked like quills. I want to say multiple layers of it. Set back face, noticed large eyebrows and a nose, the head sunk into the torso. It was a mix of brown and gray fur or hair colors. I returned to the spot in a few hours and stepped over, behind the bushes. All the holly berries from the plants were gone, they were there a few days prior. There were also indents in the ground, maybe footprints. There were sticks snapped off of the trees, and thrown across the ground. I was certainly unsettled, so I looked into it further and thought I'd concluded that this might have been some sort of ape or ape man, Bigfoot? I'm not a hunter, doing drugs, nothing like that. It was ape-like. Do you have any thoughts? A few months ago I was on a hike in the state forest and I ended up on one of the rural roads in the area. Found an abandoned house and took a look around, when I came out some guy was across the street grilling me. I told him I was just taking a look, I definitely looked like a hiker. He was cool, we ended up shooting the shit or a while. At one point he brings up messing with kids at night. If he sees kids parked out on one of the roads or partying near his house, he literally makes urban legend come to life. Dude sneaks out at night and bangs on trees, has my hero. My great-grandfather was a game warden in North Carolina and back in the 70s he got a call of a mysterious creature found dead on the side of the road near Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And it was described as a six-foot-long hairless kangaroo-like creature. He took photos but they were later confiscated by federal agents. I never had the chance to talk to him about it because he passed before I was born, 
so I learned this from my great uncle who helped him out occasionally and also went with him on that job. But I was wondering if anybody could identify it. To give background on paranormal experiences in my life, there have been a handful of instances that have happened to me that will forever stick with me. I do feel I have an innate connection to otherworldly phenomena. I don't say this to sound arrogant or pompous. I say this to reveal that I consider myself open to things beyond our realm of understanding, and that by being open to it, experiences or things are able to manifest. While previous experiences had happened before this specific one, this one in particular had me shook. I have thought about keeping specific details a little under wraps. I don't know if it's right that I speak about things that make people want to check it out or inquire with the property that would be tied back to me and would give them a headache. I'm not saying anyone would do this, I just would like to keep my relationships in good standing. This is also in part because it is tied to my career. I will do my best to give as much detail as possible without compromising this. It was December in Cincinnati, Ohio in 2018 on the verge of 2019. During this time period, I was contracting at a particular place that necessitated staying a year in Cincinnati. I was living at a spot on Mount. Adams. Cincinnati was an absolutely gorgeous city. I truly loved it there. It had a small city feel, with a very nice community of people that were passionate about the city. For me, it felt like so much energy had been around a long time, long before our current society exists there today. I say this to let people know that there was something about Cincinnati, that for the first time in my life, had given me the most paranormal experiences I have ever had from living anywhere else. I have lived in Texas, Chicago, New York City, Indiana. To be honest all of these places I have lived haven't offered me paranormal experiences in the way that visiting a couple of other places have. The first experience I had was at someone's home in New Jersey and another experience in a condo in Sarasota. Around 9 p.m., I arrived at a co-worker's spot which was also located on Mount. Adams in a different location. It was a holiday party where a group of us gathered. It was an apartment complex, and their unit was located on the top third floor of a building. I looked into the building recently through the city's tax records, and the report gives the insight it was built in the 1920s. The internals of the building that I saw heading up to their unit reflected renovations that probably occurred in the 70s or 80s. Run-down carpet lined the hallways and stairs, Doors had been replaced with cheap orange-colored laminate oak siding, banisters had been repainted to match the doors, and some of the building had left Art Deco wood engravings from the time it was built in corners that lived on. The interior of the unit had been the most renovated with hardwood flooring, updated kitchen appliances, lighting, electrical sockets etc. As soon as you walked into the unit a large living room opened up with a window to the left that viewed the street. To the right, you could see an entryway that lead into the kitchen, a small hallway to the left of the kitchen lead to the bathroom and eventually the bedroom. About 10 people total showed up to the holiday party, and it never felt overly cramped. It was probably around 800 square feet the unit sat around. As time moved on we found ourselves in different locations of the unit to interact with people. I eventually made it into the kitchen and sat at a table and had a conversation with someone. It felt damp in there. Something was off about it. And the longer I sat in there the more I began to wonder what it was about this kitchen that was so odd. My eyes wandered until they eventually landed on a dark door that had a curtain over a glass window on the edge of the room. The hostess came into the kitchen and I said to her I've been staring at that door, where the hell does that go? She replied along the lines of it leads down into the basement. I stood up and walked over to it and in the process she said something to the effect of but don't go out there. 
We don't use that door. The people who own the building told us not to use it because it leads to a stairwell they haven't updated and could be unsafe. I said well what's in the basement? She said there's a laundry room down there but I never use it, I go to the laundromat. If you want to go down to the basement you can go out the front door and it will lead you down there too. I wasn't going to let this fly. Anytime I'm put in a position where I'm beholden to someone else telling me what to do, I feel compelled to defy what I interpret as a power trip. I also had a couple beers in me. Hey come on. I responded and made the move to unlock the door. As I was doing this, there was a girl who shared the same curious personality as mine in the living room. I let her know from the kitchen hey Rachel, check this out there's a weird door in the kitchen that goes to the basement. She walked in, and it was game on. The hostess responded if anything happens to you going down that stairwell it is not my fault. I turned the knob and slowly opened the door. It was clear it hadn't been used in a long time. Paint from the door peeled itself off the weather insulation and popped open. I looked out before I physically made any moves to check the structural integrity of the wooden staircase and surrounding area. It was dark in there. I opened up the flashlight on my phone and looked around. Old gray stained wood was what the entirety of this stairwell was made of. Brick lined the walls. As far as degradation of the wood staircase structure I didn't see anything to cause extreme caution, otherwise I definitely wouldn't have continued. The wood felt fairly sturdy. We entered slowly and started a slow precautious descent down the flight of stairs. After about six steps, you would hit a landing, turn the corner, and visually see the next six stairs to the next landing. Upon reaching the first floor, the wooden staircase structure ended, and a concrete staircase structure began in a straight line. At the end of the concrete staircase was a rickety white door not fully closed. I remember feeling a surge of energy hitting me and looking at Rachel. We exchanged intuitive knowledge of what the other one was thinking without any words. We made it down the steps to the door and slowly pushed it open. The open room was dimly lit by a single light bulb uninhibited by any shade covering. It hung by an extension cord from the ceiling with an operative on, off by means of a beaded metal pull cord. Indeed, this was the laundry room as a side-by-side washer or dryer sat next to each other on the right side of the room. Small slits of windows that lead out to the street side of the building about a foot above my head lived above the washer or dryer. A small round table and chair on top of a ragged outdoor carpet lived in front of the washer and dryer just off center of the above light bulb. From a distance, I noticed a pad of paper lightly sprinkled with dirt and dust on the table and a worn down classic sharpening pencil next to it. We approached the table and I looked at the pad of paper. I reached down and picked it up. I pulled it closer to my eyes. The only faint words written on this pad of paper in pencil was the sentence don't look behind you. Written in all lowercase and seemingly dulled from the amount of time it had been down there. My initial reaction was along the lines of that's funny, I would do the same thing to put people on edge in a place like this. I showed Rachel. She likewise laughed it off, but we both instinctually looked around. Behind us. We knew there was more to this area than the eye could see, but we didn't have a clue as to how big. Above us we noticed fluorescent bulbs in a track that followed each other and eventually disappeared off into the darkness. We searched the room and found a light switch next to another staircase, the one residents actually used, turned it to the on position, and one by one these fluorescent bulbs lit up in succession turning the darkness into view. What resulted was the fullness of the laundry room, a long corridor at the end of the laundry room that lead to an opening up to another room the same size as the laundry room at the end of the corridor all in a straight line. The best way I can describe this from an overhead view is the shape of a dumbbell on a floor plan map. In total, 
I would say from the far end of the laundry room, to the far end of the other room was about 50 yards in length. I looked at her and she looked at me. We knew what we had to do. She grabbed my arm and interlaced hers and mine. We began a slow and in tandem pace past the edge of the laundry room and into the narrower corridor. There were wooden structures that had been built that worked as private storage areas for residents on either side and lined this hallway and created this shape. They were probably 5 by 5 units and each side had around 7 or 8 units. The doors on them varied from solid pieces of wood to metal chain link. Some had cheap metal locking mechanisms that utilized padlocks for security and some weren't in use. We darted our eyes into the chain link units and saw baskets filled with old clothes, rolled carpets, cardboard boxes. Besides the eeriness of the corridor and the setting, nothing about these storage units took our attention for more than a few seconds. We made it to the end of this portion of the corridor. The room now opened up just as it was in the laundry room. At the very opposite end of the room from where we now stood was a relatively newly built standalone wooden storage locker. It lacked a padlock. I say newly built because the wood didn't look as aged, it looked fresher than anything through the corridor. Off to the right side of this room, was another room. It was about 10 foot by 10 foot and lacked a door. We both looked at each other. We walked over. I could feel the tension in her start to stiffen on my arm. We got to the edge of the room and stood underneath the doorway. I felt an immediate drop in temperature. My initial instinct about this drop in temperature was something wasn't right in this room, but I quickly shook it off and logically told myself in my head that it was just old and lacked insulation. The room reflected it because it was all concrete walls and had the same above head windows. The floor was littered with junk. We couldn't even walk into it without fear of a rusty nail. Wood scraps, a broken toilet, half-built or half-destroyed wooden furniture structures. A lone ratty old baseball hat sat on top of the left window seal. It was blue and orange and was of the New York Mets. Rachel leaned into me and said it just got colder. It felt like that was enough for both her and I. We had done our exploration. We began making our way over to the corridor in pursuit of making it back to the unit. By this time a couple other people had made their way into the laundry room at the far end and stood there calling out our names. We responded we were coming back. I don't know what it was, but my intuition told me we weren't done here. I stopped walking while simultaneously gripping her arm a little tighter. I said wait. I turned around moving her in tow. I locked eyes on the standalone wooden storage structure on the opposite end of the room from where we stood at the corridor. Again, we both looked at each other and intuitively knew. We began a slow laborious walk over to this structure. Something was off-putting about this basement and inherently we knew it. Inch by inch I could feel her start to tense and I recognized the same in myself by making me self-aware. At about four feet away the tension was palpable both physically and mentally. I very slowly started to reach my free arm forward. I was aiming for the door handle. My heart was racing and she was trembling. The vastness of this wooden structure started to overwhelm my peripheral vision. My hand made it into frame. I got to around 5 inches of this door handle with my hand. Bang! 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 The reverberation from the physical impact shook the entire structure rippling the wood. The sound waves coming from the impact shook me to my core. Instinct took over in her and I took off as fast as our body would carry back down the corridor to the laundry room. The people in the laundry room screamed and took off up the concrete staircase in pursuit of the unit. There was absolutely no time to look back at what just happened before we reached the laundry room. Once we did, in a panic I spun around to look back and see what had unfolded since the sprint back. Silence. The door still stood in the same position. 
From this vantage point the structure looked menacing in narrow view down the long corridor lit under the fluorescent lighting. Before Rachel made it to the concrete staircase I yelled wait. I turned to look at her briefly. She looked at me aghast like I was out of my mind. I swiveled back to the structure. Who's down there? I yelled at it. At this point the only logical thing that could come into my mind was that someone from the party knew we were down here, and in order to get their rocks off decided it would be funny to enter that structure from a different entry point to the basement and wait for us to check it out. There was no response. I yelled out I know you're messing with us. Nothing. Rachel said emphatically no one's down there let's go. Seriously? I responded. We have to go back down there. It took a moment. No other words were exchanged, just the silence of this basement. She agreed. She didn't need convincing, and I wasn't about to lay that on someone. Before the journey back, we yelled up the staircase to one of the people that was in the laundry room to please come down to watch us from there. She hesitantly agreed and came down. Still convinced someone from the party was in that wooden structure, I began walking with more certainty and less hesitancy. I reached the end of the corridor, all of my physical senses now on the absolute brink. The only thing that stood between me and that door now was my own courage or lack thereof. I reached a tipping point and stopped, stared at it, all the while waiting for Rachel to get closer to me. Tension again palpable. I jutted my arm out quickly and without thought, thought would only slow me down. I yanked the door open and jumped back as far as possible. Nothing. Not a single physical object was behind this door. The only thing there was the back concrete wall that the wooden structure butt up against, there was absolutely no way in or out of this thing from any other way but through this door. The only other thing was a drain you would find in a shower that had a metal plate over it with small holes in pattern throughout it laid in the floor. I looked at Rachel, she looked at me. We both went pale white. I turned to look back into the wooden structure and was absolutely dumbfounded, shocked, and lacking words. What's in it? Yelled the person down the hall in the laundry room. Rachel and I both turned to look and replied at the same exact time nothing. I looked back, made sure of it. Nothing. I looked around this room. There was absolutely no way someone could have made it into this room besides the laundry room area we came in at from the concrete staircase or the staircase the complex deemed safe to come down. We slowly inched backwards, hitting the passage through the corridor, turned around, and worriedly made it back to the unit all the while looking behind us. And that's one of the most insane things that's ever happened to me in the paranormal world I will never be able to explain on this physical plane of existence. Before I wrote this, I texted Rachel about this as I have many times in the past to confirm this actually happened. That there was no way in which she banged the door without me seeing it. Her response has always been the same, I can 100% say all that happened DID. And it was not me. I've been looking everywhere for answers today. Ever since I was four, I've been seeing the shadow man, a tall, lanky man in a coat and top hat who would walk into my apartment and try to enter my bedroom. I saw him attempting to enter my room for two years, but he never quite made it. Years passed, and we moved to a new house. I didn't see him until a year after being in the new house, but now he was in the room with me. I could feel the grin on his face, although I couldn't make out his features. Again, we moved but this time to a new city, and I forgot about him. That's when my brother started seeing a shadow woman who would crawl towards him whenever he slept. He said every time he closed his eyes, she got closer. My parents got tired of hearing our stories and just got the holy water and sprayed it all over our rooms. It seemed to work. I was 15 when my brother started seeing that woman. Now, I'm 19, 
in a new house, and he came back. I was asleep, and my back was facing the room. I felt like I had to wake up. I could move and talk, so I don't think it was sleep paralysis. Anyway, I looked back, and he was right next to my bed, but now he was looking down on me. I didn't feel anything, though, except anger because he woke me up. I could see his hand raise, but I just ignored him, turned around, and shut my eyes. He hasn't been back, but other people have seen him. Sometimes he's in their dreams. I don't know what he is or what he wants. He seems to target specific people. I haven't seen him since, and I don't know if he'll come back like he is all those times before. Have any of you seen him? Oh boy, my family has a lot of stories. Courtesy of my mom, back in 80s South Africa, she and her friend got into playing glassy glassy, which is similar to Ouija but without a board. It was all fun and games until they started communicating with something that went by the name of Zippo and claimed to have been a murderer in life. Zippo only wanted to speak to my mom, and they didn't take it seriously, asking ridiculous questions. Over separate sessions, Zippo grew aggressive, saying awful things that my mom refuses to elaborate on. She firmly announced that she would no longer talk to him. The glass they used spun around aggressively, traveled down the length of the table and fell off. Moments later, a crucifix fell from the wall. My mom never played glassy glassy again. It's worth noting that this all happened in a house that had previously been used by the town mortician, who would lay out bodies in body bags on the lawn. My mom still has nightmares about that house, and she believes there was something very, very wrong with it. Another incident from South Africa during the same time period involved my uncle. He had been out drinking with friends and they decided to drive home. I'm told road safety and rules were more lenient, almost non-existent in Essa then. As they were driving, he had a premonition that they would die in a fiery car crash. Although he mostly brushed it off, he asked to be dropped off on the side of the street and walked home. The next morning, the police arrived at the house and informed my grandma that my uncle had died in a car crash. My grandma replied that no, he was asleep in bed. It turned out that his four friends had indeed died in a fiery car crash, some burning alive and pleading for help from bystanders who couldn't assist them. If anyone's interested, I have a few more stories I can share. So, let Zero S continue with other stories. Back in the 1960s, my grandparents and my baby aunt moved into a small house in a nice neighborhood. My grandma soon started feeling extremely anxious in the house. She would stand near the front door every evening, peering through the kitchen window, waiting for my grandpa to return from work. She clutched their Doberman guard dogs for safety and kept my aunt next to her, asleep in her pram. One night, with both of them at home, there was a knock at the door, but my grandpa found no one there. The dogs were with him and they reacted with their hair standing on end. They both heard an elderly woman's voice repeatedly calling out my aunt's name and the sound of high heels moving down the hall. It was my great-great-grandmother's voice, even though she was dying in the hospital at the time. In the same house, they hired a gardener who would take care of the property while they were away. When they returned, he took my grandpa aside and told him that he had encountered a man in the living room, leading to a physical altercation, but then the man had vanished. Poof into thin air. My grandma only learned about these events years later when my grandpa finally shared the story and revealed that the estate agent who sold them the house had disclosed that the previous occupant had hanged himself in the hallway. In my own story, which took place about 20 years ago in England, my mom and I were living in a horrid 200-300-year-old cottage on a dairy farm which was completely isolated and felt like it was miles from civilization. 
It gave me the creeps and I always felt as though I was being watched from outside. Like my mom and her previous house, I also experienced nightmares about this one. Anyway, one day we heard a loud crash from downstairs and rushed to the living room to find a painting that had been on one wall standing up against the opposite wall. My cat, who was absolutely petrified, had the hanging wire from behind the painting wrapped tightly around her neck. Alright, I have goosebumps and chills now so I'm calling it a day. ETA, remembered more. During the same time in England, my mom, aunt, cousin, and I developed a habit of taking late night drives. One night, we were driving through a quiet village at around 12.30 to 1.30 am when we drove past a peculiar elderly woman who, as ridiculous as it sounds, strangely resembled the stereotypical witch. She was very slim, had a sinister smile, a prominent nose, and was using an umbrella when there was no rain. We all shrieked and were so shocked that my mom quickly reversed to check because we couldn't believe our eyes. There was no sign of the woman and there were high walls on both sides. I guess it's plausible that someone was out to scare people and escape through a narrow passage or something but we couldn't spot anywhere she could run to. My uncle managed an old pub. One day, my aunt heard commotion in the kitchen and when she entered, the curtains had been pulled shut and a broom was in the middle of the kitchen table. On another occasion, my cousin and his friends heard the glassware in the kitchen shaking violently for minutes on end. While not paranormal, this next one is definitely horrifying. My grandparents had another gardener who was caught stealing and subsequently fired. The gardener promised to curse them. Soon after, they returned home and discovered various moody, traditional magic, items in the garden, and their three guard dogs had been brutally killed. It was not the last time their dogs were killed either. What can I say, South Africa was hell. My mom once dated a guy whose mother had an intense dislike for her. The mother resorted to obtaining items from a Sangoma witch doctor, believing they would protect her son from what she considered my mom's malevolent influence and keep her away. She found them in his car and well, they definitely did their job in the end. This isn't paranormal or that scary. Before we left SA in the late 90s, we moved into a house which had belonged to an older lady who had been murdered on the premises. This property was a few houses down from my grandparents and I remember her having been a sweet, lovely person. I never felt a presence or any darkness in that home whatsoever. The awful thing was that blood spatter remained on the veranda and could not be removed. Her killers were never apprehended and that did play on my mind. It was just my mom and I alone in the house. We'd share a bed and she kept a knife under her pillow. My cousin slept over and woke up to someone knocking at the window. She peeked behind the curtain and found a man staring back at her. It was Christmas 98 and the whole family had spent the day with my grandparents. We drove the short distance back home pulled up to the fence and saw that the house was being ransacked by at least five men. They fled before police arrived. I was only terrified that my dogs would be harmed. Not long after, we were packing up boxes and getting ready to emigrate. I was playing near the front fence and a man called me over to tell me he was going to murder us. Yeah. Bloody hell that was an essay and a half. Hats off to anyone who reads all of this.